Hello, welcome once again to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm still Doug. I'm still the pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church. We're still based out of Shelton, Washington, and we're still a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And you can still learn about us at our website, www.faithshelton.org. And I'm still grateful that you're listening. Why do we read the Bible? We read the Bible um, so we can learn about Jesus. And we can, when we read about Jesus, we learn about God's love for us. Jesus himself had a, a mission statement. He borrowed it from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. It's recorded in Luke chapter 4, and it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus uh, taking this passage for himself. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And sure enough, that's what he does. If you read the Gospel of Luke or any of the Gospels, you find Jesus preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. He, he blesses the poor. He gives them food to eat and living water. He gives sight to the blind. He raises the dead. He sets people free for us and for our salvation. His, his death and resurrection on the cross is the ultimate victory of sin and de- over sin and death for us. We read about Jesus to learn about God's love for us. So this particular reading today from Luke chapter 8, verse 26, we're going we're gonna to read about a man possessed by some unclean spirits and how Jesus sets him free. So we're going to take a closer look at this story and how this this story applies to our life today. I'll leave you with four takeaways. Now, I was thinking about calling this sermon The Bay of Pigs, but instead I'll call it Set Free Part 1. And just one more setting in context here. Uh, Luke chapter 8, we're going to begin at verse 26. Back in verse 22, uh, we hear the story of how Jesus and his disciples had gotten out onto a fishing boat in the Sea of Galilee. Uh, They they end up in a storm in the middle of the night. They survive the storm, but now they've been out on the water all night long. And we get to verse 26, where it says, They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what's your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. Now, a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting there at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. 
So he got into the boat and left. Now the man from whom the demons had gone out had begged him to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home. Tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. And this is the gospel of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The previous night's storm had sent Jesus and his disciples to the far side of the lake, into the region of the Gerasenes. The Romans called that area the, the Decapolis, the Ten Cities. What we know is that for Jesus and for his Jewish fishermen buddies, this was foreign territory. It was outside their comfort zones. Storms do that to us sometimes, don't they? Uh, through the night, the wind, or maybe it was the Holy Spirit, leads them into the uh, lakes, leads them to the other side, to a lakeside cemetery on foreign soil, and there they are met by some crazy dude, buck naked, wild eyes, hair and scars everywhere, missing teeth everywhere, and smelling god awful. He turns. It turns out that this man is possessed, tortured by demons. He's a danger to self and others. The town wants nothing to do with him. They keep an eye on him to make sure he stays outside the city limits. Jesus, son of the most high God, the man howls, show mercy. Now, demon possession is a tricky thing, mostly above my pay grade. I do know a fellow who does exorcisms, yes. I know a fellow who does that sort of thing. He says that fallen spirits have to go somewhere. So when he is uh, praying with a person, um, he, he prays in the name of Jesus and he instructs the fallen spirits that they're to go to a parking lot, like somewhere in the middle of Wyoming or something, and that they are forbidden to leave there until they have been appropriately dismissed. Now, I've never had the courage to ask exactly what that entails. But what my friend knows is that Jesus has authority over the demons and unclean spirits. Demons back then and to this day know all about Jesus, the Son of the Most High God, and don't want anything to do with him. Jesus has authority over them, even a legion of them. And for those of you keeping score at home, a legion of Roman soldiers would have numbered anywhere from three to 6,000 troops. So this legion of fallen spirits, this 3,000 to 6,000 spirits, all in this man, they need to go somewhere. Lacking a parking lot, they ask to go to a feedlot. Instead, they beg the Son of God to send them into that large herd of pigs over there. The Gospel of Mark reckons that there are at least 2,000 pigs on that hillside, and the legion of demons drives every one of those animals bat-crazy into the lake where they drown. Floating bacon. Imagine those waters littered with thousands of floating pig carcasses. It was a literal bay of pigs. Think of the ecological and economic impact on the area. Think of the smell, the waste, the utter horror, and the cleanup. And it all gets traced back to a strange man in a strange boat in the harbor and, a crazy, and the crazy man from the tombs. Town leaders and the local police converge on the docked boat where they find a familiar face sitting and talking in his right mind, fully dressed, calm. And of everything that had happened that day with the pigs and the demons, it's this sight that scares the people silly. They turn to the stranger, whoever you are, Mr. Christ, or whatever your name is, we don't want your kind or the kind of trouble around here. 
We don't care whose son you are. Kindly go back to where you came from and have a nice day. So Jesus and the boys get back in the boat. And the man formerly known as Legion understandably asks if he can go with them, but Jesus tells him to return home so that he can show and tell his family and everyone else in the area just how much God has done. For this man is living proof that the kingdom of God is here, the spirit of God is on the loose, and that no one is beyond redemption. Now, let me just talk about this story from, uh, there's a few things going on this weekend that I think are helpful, and this passage relates to each one of them. The first one is graduation. I mean, this is a great text for graduation. Congratulations, high school graduates, college graduates. Uh, I think anyone who's gone to school for at least 12 years can relate to this guy, right? School sometimes feels like living among the tombs, chained to a desk, subject to a legion of teachers and classmates and worksheets and school lunches. Throw in two years of COVID and um, (laughs) teenage years of hormones and Instagram, and you feel like you're going crazy. Under the pressure and isolation, many of your classmates and maybe you yourself have coped by cutting classes or worse, cutting arms just to feel something. School is hard. So congratulations. You've graduated. And more than that, you are living proof that just like that man, the kingdom of God, you're living proof that the kingdom of God is here and that no one's beyond redemption, not even you. (laughs) When you were baptized, you were clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And now you have been equipped. You've been equipped with a diploma, with a handful of scholarships, with a more fully developed frontal cortex, You might even have a dream of being a physical therapist or an engineer, but your response, your responsibility to the gospel, to the freedom that you have in Christ, is to be led by the Holy Spirit, storms and all, to be and become an instrument of peace, to be and become living proof that no one is beyond the redemption of God. So I think about this passage in terms of graduation. I also think about it in terms of of our celebration of Juneteenth, Uh, This story of liberation of a dispossessed man, it's appropriate for Juneteenth. Uh, This is kind of a new one for us, um, but but Juneteenth commemorates the anniversary of the announcement of the end of the American Civil War, the emancipation of folks who'd been enslaved on account of the color of their skin. Um, It's a bittersweet recognition as well, commemoration, knowing that here we are 150 years later and the the promise of equality of all people, regardless of race, color, gender, religion, or ethnicity, it's, it's still elusive. See, like the Gerasenes back then, there is still this human habit of enslaving, imprisoning, or sending away people who threaten our way of life. We do with immigrants, with refugees, with the homeless, people suffering from mental illness, people of color, indigenous folk, queer folk. Like the Gerasenes, we still tend to want to lock these others in jail. We want to take away their ability to vote. We want to send them back where they came from, relegate them to the other side of town, move them into desperate reservations. After all, we have pigs to tend, our pigs. And you know what? We earned those pigs. So why should we risk economic security just to show compassion toward another human being? Folks, the story from Luke chapter 8 rocks our comfortable little boat. 
God's word threatens to knock us out of our comfort zone. It leads us into uncomfortable conversations and unfamiliar shores. It begs the question that if having Jesus hanging around is going to create a Bay of Pigs incident for us, are we going to call the police like the Gerasenes did? and escort Jesus out of town, asking him to kindly take himself and his troublemaking friends back to wherever they came from? If Jesus came to us offering freedom, this kind of freedom, would we accept it? Graduation, Juneteenth, and Father's Day. Father's Day. Can you imagine the heartbreak of this man's father? In just the last few months, I've sat with friends, uh, some I haven't seen in years. Uh, Just sort of these random conversations. We're all fathers. We're all about the same age. Our kids are all about the same age. And so we have these conversations that start out innocent enough. How's your family? What are your kids doing these days? Who's so-and-so studying this or that? One's getting married next year. This one lives in a big city. We pull out our phones and find the latest photos. and, And we laugh about when we were that age. I was with one, one, one friend over coffee and we kind of got to the conversation and I just asked, where's your other son now? And he looked at me and he said, I don't know. And two fathers sitting drinking coffee and I saw his heartbreak. And then I was with another friend um, another heartbroken dad. And he tells me about how his son has dropped out of school and he's too heavy into pot and video games and is he going to be okay? And a third friend, third friend tears up as he describes his son's bipolar diagnosis and how um, my friend had traveled across the country to find and to rescue his psychotic and suicidal son who was convinced that he was Jesus. I mean, what do you do with that? Your heart breaks. And my heart breaks a little bit with them. We who are parents, we feel helpless to battle the demons and unclean spirits, the mental illness, the hormones, and the drugs that are legion and threaten our sons and daughters. It's fun to tease on Father's Day about beer bellies and golf games and dad jokes and relational shortcomings, but I can tell you that being a dad is both really cool and absolutely terrifying. And it might only get harder as our children get older. Maybe I should check in with my folks. Is it any easier to be a dad when your son is 55? You can let me know if you want to. A fourth friend of mine I talked to recently lost a son to suicide some time back. I asked him about Father's Day coming up. He said that Father's Day is like Swiss cheese. There are holes. And heartbreak. So in this story, Jesus tells the man to return home because there's someone who's been worried sick about him. And I think about a story that Jesus tells a few chapters later in Luke chapter 15 about a father whose son had gone off the deep end 
And after what had seemed like an eternity to the father, the son returns home and the father sees him and is filled with compassion, runs to his son and throws his arms around him and slobbers kisses all over him. He calls for a celebration for the son of his who was lost is now found. The son of his who was as good as dead is alive. And he's here. Which, Jesus says, is what God's prodigal love is like for you and for me and for all God's wayward, messed up, broken, and broken-hearted children. This is why I have come, after all, Jesus says. The Spirit sent me, anointed me, to proclaim good news to the poor, to, send, uh, to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So let me leave you with four brief takeaways. First of all, a takeaway for you dads out there. Take heart. Never give up. Keep praying for your children and entrust them to the love of the Father who never stops loving, never stops looking, never gives up on them, never gives up on you. God, our Father, knows all about heartache. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. New grads, well done and good luck. And think about this, your scars, your challenges, your battles and with the demons to this point, these are part of you now. They're a part of who you are and that's a good thing because through these struggles, you have learned wisdom. You are learning wisdom and compassion and faith and humility and the mercy of God. You're being created in the image and likeness of God through suffering. So wherever you go next, be the living proof that God is real, that God is here, and that no one is beyond redeeming. Third thing, as a takeaway, people of faith, let's get in the boat with Jesus and go wherever the Spirit takes us. Let's have the courage to take risks and break down racial and ethnic barriers. Faith began as an immigrant church 70 years ago. Let's look for ways to welcome and equip immigrants today who are looking for just a safe harbor and a place at the table. We have nothing better to do, certainly not tend to pigs. And number four, and this uh, may be one more takeaway here uh, for you, dear listener, you who feel overwhelmed by your demons, beset by a legion of worries and heartache and fear, the legion of voices in your head and on your screen and on your Twitter feed that are driving you out of your mind, scaring you to death. If this is you, then I want you to know that right here, right now, Jesus has come on shore and stands right here, right in front of you. He has come to heal you, to save you, to restore your sanity, to restore your faith, and to set you free. So pray with me. Come, Lord Jesus, Son of the Most High God. In your mercy, silence the demons in my heart. In your mercy, fill me with the peace that passes understanding. In your mercy, clothe me in your righteousness. In your mercy, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And in your love and mercy, O God, fill me with your Holy Spirit and I will be saved. I claim this promise in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So that's what I've got for you today. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks, Chaz, every week for your help on this podcast. Our website, www.faithshelton.org. You know the drill. We have resources uh, so that you can get to know this Christ and and uh, grow closer to and more like Jesus. We have ways you can connect with the larger faith community or, or serve in our community. In particular, if you know somebody who's in a spiritual battle, maybe it's you yourself, uh, why don't you email me, get a hold of me. Let me offer some prayer support, maybe some resources that you can take home and use uh, for you and for your family. Sign up for our weekly emails, like us on Facebook, make a financial donation to Faith, subscribe to the We'll Preach for Food podcast. You know all those things. Um, Thank you for the privilege of uh, preaching today. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm -hmm.